Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, your daily or in the offseason three times a week uh, Cleveland Indians podcast. I was all set to, if you listen to Monday show, I had already set up to talk about the greatest picks in the fourth round and the less successful picks there, or to dive into my mock draft. Uh, for those who are not familiar with me, uh, my name is Jeff Ellis. Before working in Locked On, I was the lead MLB draft and prospect expert at 24-7 Sports for three years about, and for Scout before that, um, been uh, on your drive time radio at some point the week before the MLB draft in uh, pretty much every market in this country, I think, except Cleveland uh, in a kind of funny turn. But that is my passion, uh, even more so than sometimes the the Major League Baseball. College baseball starts on the 17th, top of my head, I want to say. Uh, I have the entire mock laid out. I just have not published it yet. But I thought uh, instead I'll save that for Friday's show, and we'll discuss uh, those players. If you did miss Monday's show, the fourth round greatly amuses me still because in all the years of the fourth round, uh, the Indians somehow drafted two Jeff Bakers. One they failed to sign, but uh, you just don't see a team drafting the same name in the same round that often. They also drafted Jeff Brom, so I dubbed the fourth round the round of Jeff. And yes, it is Je- that Jeff Brom who is the Purdue coach who played about who played exactly two seasons in the Indians minors. But what stopped me from doing that or discussing the uh, my mock? It was, I got a survey. I don't know if anyone else got this, but I thought we could take some time on the show. And the fan feedback survey that came out today, we want your input. As part of our multi-phase process of selecting a new team name, we would like your feedback about our brand and our team. Please take a few minutes to help us in our process by completing this brief survey. So I've opened it up and let's dive in. Let's see what this looks like. What was your initial reaction when you heard about the team's decision to move forward with its name change? And then it's your very typical, like, fully support, somewhat neutral. Uh, You know, (laughs) it's probably best if I don't say, you know, if I stay more to neutral, but I fully support that decision. And I've said that on the show. Any other thoughts I might have? Uh, I'm just going to say that uh, long overdue. You know, to me, one of the most cringeworthy Indians fans experiences is seeing people in red face like that. That reason alone is a reason to, uh, to change the mascot. So we don't have to deal with that. I going to a playoff game and seeing that just, oof. I mean, it's, it's ugly. Like, I don't think there's any other way, even if you're someone who defends, you know, like I said, it's part of your childhood. As I talked about on the show, I have a Cleveland Indians ornament. My grandmother gave me that I'm never going to get rid of because my grandmother gave it to me. And that holds sentimental value. Uh, I may not put it up, but I still have it there. I think no matter how you feel, red face is the wrong way to go. Um, then they want, so this is interesting. Uh, three sports teams you think have a good name. Uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I do like the new Seattle Krakens. Uh, I thought their stuff looked really good, even though that team doesn't technically exist yet. Uh San Jose, man, going hockey heavy um, and sea heavy. So, no, I'm not going to put the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I went with one hockey. Let's think. In the NFL, you know, who is someone that I liked that is original? Because I think that's always the thing. There's so many things that are unoriginal. 
um, across leagues. So I'm struggling the NBA. Supersonics. Let's just give Seattle all the love, apparently. Uh, I know, again, and teams that don't exist. Oh, I have to include three teams I like. Uh, NFL or another MLB team that I've always enjoyed there. You know, I, I, maybe it's because I live in Milwaukee, but I've always appreciated the Brewers. Um, it's something that's local and uh, you know supportive. Uh, as you consider your ideal new name for the franchise, what are the most important attributes that a new name should convey? Strong, loyal, industrial, friendly, uniting, fierce. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's... This is exactly what I expected in a way, and it's resilient, inclusive, hardworking, uh, uniting, and uh, loyal are the ones. Uh, other, please specify none of these. How would you feel if the team name is tied to one of the following elements? The sport of baseball. I, I'm neutral. Cleveland's present and future. Uh, neutral. Cleveland's history. That is one I like. Um I'm going to extremely positive. The club's history and heritage, somewhat positive. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was a history major, but I definitely have a preference for history. Which of these elements should the team consider keeping with the new name? Navy road jerseys. I don't care. Color scheme, red, midnight, navy, white. Uh, consider keeping. Let's keep something intact. Gray road jerseys. Take it or leave it. Block Cleveland. I don't like that. Consider scrapping it. Just like Block C, I don't like. Consider scrapping. Red home jerseys, white home jerseys. Take it or leave it for me. Now a strong stance there. When it comes to your support of the team on the field, how important is the team name? Uh, slightly important. I'm not going to say not at all important because they somehow found a way to get an even more uh, offensive name, then I would be less likely to support them. Uh, they want to know my age and my gender. Do I have children under the age of 18? While wow, this is getting personal, I'm uh, I'm just going to do prefer not to say. I don't really feel like I need to tell the Indians about my household. Uh, all the tickets that I bought. Think about all of the Cleveland Indian tickets you bought during the 2019 season for yourself or others. In total, how many tickets did you buy? Um I left the state of Ohio in 2019, so I actually did not buy any tickets. I That is when I moved out, uh, finished up my school year, and came to Wisconsin to live. So might be a little bit uh, surprising there, but uh, yeah. Uh, please tell us to what extent or agree you agree or disagree with the following statement. This is maybe the most interesting thing here. I consider myself a casual baseball fan. Uh, because that's so if I strongly disagree, does that mean that uh, I'm a non casual fan, or does it mean that I don't like baseball? Um, I guess I'm gonna have to say strongly disagree because I'm not casual. I host this podcast, which eliminates me from casual on any level. I mean, <laughs> we're approaching episode 500, uh, I've been doing this a bit, we are not casual. Uh, which one of the following statements most closely aligns with how your friends, family, and peers would describe you? Indians games are very friendly, family-friendly. I love bringing my kids to progressive field. I'm a casual fan, but I'm happy to go to a few games. I'm a huge baseball fan and a baseball traditionalist, in quotation marks. When I come to games, I pay careful attention to action on the field. I'm going to see a great baseball game, so I'm willing to spend more for good seats or for a good matchup. I expect good ballpark food, a comfortable seat with a great view, and friendly ushers. You kind of sound like a jerk. Like, I mean, 
let's get down to it. It's like, hey, I have money to spend and I'm going to spend my money, but I expect good food and ushers to take care of me. I mean, that that comes off. I, yeah, and adding that traditionalist label, like it's it's almost you're going to get put on lists if you click on that one. The Indians are going to be like, OK, this is a troublemaker. Um, don't, don't click that. That's all I'm telling you. Don't click that one. You're going to get put on a list somewhere if you click on the baseball traditionalist. I only come to a few games each summer, but when I do, give me chicks, cheap tickets, affordable beer and hot dogs, easy parking, quick lines, and I'm happy. I just want a team that wins and an organization that's committed to winning as I am. Uh, I'm an Indians fan, but games are expensive and crowded. I'd rather watch on TV or the sound of the radio. Indians games are the place to be in Cleveland. I want space around the ballpark where I can hang out with friends. I'm still connected to the action. Uh, I want a good bang for my buck. I'm going to say only a few games each summer. While I am a huge fan, uh, I do like to watch things at home. Uh, but I'm definitely the one who gets the cheap tickets, goes and stands out there in the outfield and does that package. Uh, you know, you got to save money some ways. And if you can go to the games cheaper, that's me. And again, you don't want to put the huge Indians fan traditionalist because that whole thing is written to put you on a list somewhere. Now we'd like to know how important the following traits are when you consider attending a Cleveland game. Uh, provide ways for families with children of all ages to have fun at the ballpark. I mean, if you've listened, and I'm saying I mean way too much on this podcast tonight. If you've listened to this podcast, um, I've been very adamant that I hate what Major League Baseball is doing to minor league baseball. And frankly, if you have a young child, do not take them to a major league game. Don't. It's not worth the money. It's not worth the hassle and the cost. Take them to a minor league game, especially if you're in the Northeast. Like Akron is a perfect place to take them. I would never advise anyone to take their kids to a major league game. Kids get bored. Baseball, especially with younger children, is not something that they can engage in for long periods of time for the most part. I mean, maybe you have a kid who can, but the minors just always make more sense. You get better seats. You get closer to the action. There's more going on. Um, through the years, uh, I'm an educator. That is my day job. My first few jobs out of college were specifically working with children with autism. And people knew that I knew sports. And they'd say, well, what's the best sport to take my child to? And I'd always say, minor league baseball. It's cheap. If after two innings, it's not working out, you can leave and not feel bad about it. So uh, at the cost of major league baseball and the sheer number of people there and all the other factors, don't unless your kid really wants to go, don't drag him to a major league baseball game. I'm going to say not very important. That That's my soapbox. I'm getting off of it. Uh, has lots of convenient, easy and easy out parking. <laughs> Actually, that is important. I, I'm a nervous parker. Um, I, I like to just be able to know I'm going to have a spot and not have to deal with it. Um, I had a buddy and we'd go up to games all the time. And I still lived in Ohio and, uh, he was a, a bit of a gambler. So we would go and uh, he would play poker for a few hours to get free parking. That's, that's, what I remember that's my last few trips was driving up with him, uh, hanging out and just, you know, watching him play to get the free park. Well, he, you know, it was his fun enjoyment as well, but that's, that's what sticks to me in terms of parking. Uh, it's uh, one of those things where I just, Having lived in New York City as well for about six years, uh, easy parking is always something I can appreciate. Has value-based promotions like student ID night or dollar hot dog night. I've never, like, cheap hot dogs doesn't get me to a baseball game. Uh, good promotions do. Like, if they're giving away a shirt or a bobblehead that I like, that's what gets me there. 
food discounts. That's that's not where I ever I never go to a game because it's cheap food. Is, is anyone out there who that's their thing? For me, it's all about what they're going to give away. It's the giveaways. It's not about the overall cheap food. And with that, the survey is done. Uh, if you get one, you can fill it out as well. If you do not get one, uh, now you know what the survey looks like. Uh, it's a little bit ridiculous, let's be honest, but it was always going to be a little bit ridiculous. Let's take a moment and talk about the sponsors that help keep this show going and on the air. So our first sponsor is one of my favorites. It is BuiltBar.com. They recently sent all of us their new coconut brownie, and it is delicious. They do coconut really well. Now, I know coconut is one of those flavors that some people like, some people don't like. If it's not your bag, then, you know, you're not going to want to try this bar. If you like coconut, I highly recommend it. I'm a coconut fan myself. And in general, all their coconut flavors, they really do well with those. Those is a, I mean, they do well with everything when it comes to Built Bar. Uh, this is a product that uh, I got my free box last April. I have bought it three to four times since then. And I do occasionally still get free products. I won't lie. That is one of the uh, advantages of being part of a network where they buy sponsorship. But I also use my own money on them because I enjoy this product. I get tired of things really quickly. I do not get tired of Built Bar. They did a complete change up over the summer and now their bars are even more delicious. Get the mixed box. That's always a good way to go. See what you like. See what uh, what your favorite types are. But I'm probably going to order a new box soon myself. Uh, again, it's my go-to. It's my favorite protein bar. I am someone who's gluten-free and there's a lot of not tasty gluten-free uh, protein bars. These are delicious and I can keep eating them and I have them virtually every day. And I always use the promo code locked on because that 20% off when you order is the best deal I've found anywhere. So remember to use the promo code locked on when you go to builtbar.com. You're going to want to go there because it's just a fantastic product. There's, you know, I, it's a product I use. It's a product I use my own money on. Builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on. And Rock Auto is our other sponsor. Now, I know nothing about cars. Um, I did not get a license until I was in my 20s. It is not something that uh, I was ever very big on, but I say that to say I find the Rock Auto site very easy to navigate, very easy to look through and find a part or piece for my car. And when something goes wrong, it is nice to have Rock Auto in your back pocket to be like, okay, so you want to charge me this much to get this fixed, but I can see it costs this much here. I need to go to another dealership. And if you have the skills to fix the part on your car, Rock Auto is going to save you money. It is a one central location. Uh, American owned family owned company that they save the money, cut down the overhead, pass the savings on to the consumer. It's great to advocate for yourself in all facets of life, but with rock auto, it gives you that ability to advocate for yourself when it comes to a car, which is often the one place where many people don't have that knowledge to be able to self advocate. So rockauto.com, when you go there and you buy something in the, how'd you hear about us box locked on, locked on MLB, locked on Indians, some form of locked on. So they know their sponsorship dollars, were well spent. RockAuto.com. They just they give you the power to know, which with cars is something I never had before. And February is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of Black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presents: More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Lockdown Tar Heels and Erica of Lockdown Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports subscribe to lockdown presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. So we took the, uh, the survey, we have some time. Uh, of course I had closed out all of my fourth round data. I was having some, uh, computer problems 
and uh, I was trying to clean everything up. I did want to talk, uh, touch on Adam Duvall signing because if, again, if you were a daily downloader of the podcast, first, thank you. That means a lot to the podcast and is very helpful for the podcast. Remember, we're trying to break into the top 10 MLB podcast on Locked On. It's often the Tigers in that bottom spot. So let's let's use that uh, competitiveness with Detroit and get Locked On Indians up there. Adam Duvall is going to get $2 million in 2021 with a mutual option for $7 million. Now, $2 million obviously does not seem like much, but the buyout is $3 million. That's a very high buyout. So it is, in a way, deferred money for the Marlins. Like, if he doesn't perform enough to earn $7 million, then they're paying him $5 million for this year with a buyout. You know, it's not that... Uh, onerous of a deal. Yes, the buyout is very high. Most more often than not, we see about a million and buyout uh was it John Lester who had like 10 million this past year. You, you know, you see some that are like that. Uh really strong season. I mean, he was top 5 in home runs in the National League for a good chunk of last year. Uh it had some down seasons before that. Probably works better as a a platoon guy or honestly, as a DH type. Now, he's not going to have that role with the Marlins. He's going to go out. But that Marlins outfield was uh, atrocious last year. It was it was not Indians-level bad because the Indians were historically bad. But it was not far off that. They went out and they traded and added Starling Marte uh, in a pretty cheap overall deal with uh, the Diamondbacks. And then they've now added Adam Duvall. And that's just... It's a huge change for the Marlins. as a team who snuck into the playoffs to go out and I mean, on the cheap address, address their biggest need. Uh, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. I do like a lot of players in their minors. Uh, I did, you know, Jordan Yamamoto was someone they let go that I was a big fan of, but you know, Corey Dickerson was someone that I was high on did not. I mean, he, had, he was okay last year. Let's just leave it at that. He was okay. Uh, but now you have an outfield with Dickerson and Duvall and Marte old friend alert Jesus Aguilar at first base. I've always been a Brian Anderson fan, tried to work some trades for him over the years. Uh, Miguel Rojas. I'm very curious to see if last year was a fluke or if this guy is legitimately breaking out at shortstop. You know, it's, it's a fun team. It's an interesting team. The pitching really exploded last year in a good way. Uh, you know, everyone talks about what Sixto Sanchez managed to do when he was called up, but uh, Eli Snar, again, I'm the world's worst pronunciator. Hernandez, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, all interesting arms who could perform for them. I was never the biggest uh, Alcantara fan, I have to be honest, because I don't love guys with high walk rate. So we'll see if he can keep that up. I see they're projecting Trevor Rogers as a fifth starter. That's kind of crazy to me because Rogers was a high school kid in 2017. And I mean, I guess he did get 28 innings with them last year. Uh, he was Trevor Rogers was an odd case. Um, sm- like I want to say like New Mexico or something like that. I could totally be wrong. This top of my head, but he was old as a high school senior. Like he was going to turn 19 before that season was, or maybe almost, no, he was 19. He was going to turn 20 before the, like there were high school juniors who were like less than a year older than him, uh, had arm injuries left-hander, big stuff, ended up going 13th overall. Uh, odd. 
that it, for me to just see him as a fifth starter, I guess, you know, it was four years ago that he was drafted, but still. And if you're out there and you're saying enough with the Marlins talk, that's fair. <laughs> let's, let's talk Indians a bit. Uh, as we talked about Tuesday, this, the team is what it is. I don't see too many more additions. I don't see them going out even and adding more non-roster invitees. What they have in place is likely what they will have in place when, I mean, you know, players are already getting down there. Let's, let's be honest. They, they know what they're going to have and they're not going to want to expose themselves with, uh, you know, too many players in camp. It's the, the virus is still not, you know, it's still what it is. You know, I'm still wearing a mask all day as I teach. So obviously we're in a situation where, you know, they're very selective with their non-roster invitees and with the players they're bringing in because there is always, as you bring in more people, there is a minor degree of risk. Uh, I am curious to see if he stays unsigned, if they bring Naquin into camp or not. He is the one guy kind of out there I could still see brought in because of knowledge and familiarity. Uh, again, I thought Brian Shaw would be back a year ago. He's instead back now. Heath Hembry was the most interesting of that group, and I stand. Uh, he is the one to check out and to consider Boston's pitching development and overall like approach to pitching has been a little lackluster. So he's someone who could, uh, I mean, he came to Cleveland specifically because he knew that Cleveland is at the top of the charts when it comes to analytics and advanced thought. And, you know, he's in his early thirties. There's a chance that he could make the Indians. They gave him a high option. If he makes the team to make over a million dollars. So obviously they think there's that potential there. And, Again, if you listen to some of the shows earlier in the year, someone like Hembry, who has had experience uh, towards the back of the pen, makes sense as a closer because, now hear me out. <laughs> I know if you're just watching the video, you're like, what? Karen Chalk should close. And Karen Chalk was great. But the reason that you don't necessarily put your top reliever at the back end is the same way when Andrew Miller was peak. You want someone who you can put in in the high leverage situation. And then when you are the Cleveland Indians, if you make a young player a closer, his arbitration values skyrocket. Now, the Indians are trying to keep costs down as much as possible. That's why we're seeing, you know, it, that's why Andres Jimenez, who has no reason to start the season in uh, AAA, will start the season in AAA. He was a league average bat as a 22-year-old. Like, he, he's fine. He's ready to go. But he's not going to start the year in the majors because they want to manipulate service time get another year of team control. Also keep him further away from getting to arbitration in general, which causes prices uh, on these players and the overall cost to go up. When you take a young player and make them the closer and they start racking up close uh, saves, that's, that's one of the biggest tools in terms of arbitration and argument of value. So the Indians probably want to keep Karen Chalk far away from the closer role just to keep their overall cost down. Uh, yeah, I advocated earlier signing a reliever to be a closer. Doesn't have to be someone who's spectacular, but someone who can get the job done because that's going to keep down your overall prices. Because again, saves equals higher arbitration costs. That's that's just the way it works. And you know, we'll see how that pen shakes out. They just keep adding arms to it and there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of ways to go. They have spent a lot of prospect capital in recent years on potential relief pitchers. And I think one of the things that really stands out just in terms of who this team values, they still haven't brought in a lefty. 
I, now Oliver Perez could come to camp. He's now one they know. I mean, I like Kyle Nelson. I talked to a lot of people who are big fans of his. I rated him. I rated Karen shock as like kind of the high end reliever in 2019 in the Indian system. But I had Nelson and Sandlin uh, very close. And Sandlin was a high cost second round pick. And, uh, you know, Nelson was more of a late into day three guy or day two guy. So I, I mean, he just developed. And then that's even talking about guys like Robert Broom and Adam Scott, who I'm also high on, who I think are future relievers. And that is where the Indians are, where they have that depth. So I am kind of curious to see how it uh, all pans out. But I would I would take some value from the fact that they're not bringing in lefties like that. Tito's going to want a lefty in his pen. He has one option right now, and the front office is not providing any more than that. So obviously they believe in Nelson, and they think he has the uh, stuff to earn that role, at least for now. Again, we could see them bring someone in. There's still time to do that, but it has been interesting seeing them completely askew that position and uh, not bring in anyone in. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. Remember to download daily. That's a, a big thing for the show. Tell a friend. Uh, rate and review. All of those things are very helpful. Let's get past the Tigers in terms of the Locked On podcast rankings. Uh, tune into Friday's show. I will finally, no matter what, we are going mock draft on Friday's show. Unfortunately, if you caught the mock draft show earlier in the year, which was also, I believe, on WKYC Cleveland, uh, Khalil Watson was who I mocked to the Indians. He's not going to be there anymore. Uh, I was a fan of his, and I always tend to mock people I like to the Indians because they are a team I like. Now, he also made sense as a shortstop with a very high ceiling. Uh, this team loves to collect shortstops. Watson could go as high as four to the Red Sox right now, um, and that's not inside intel. That's just because uh, there is no inside intel right now. Let's be honest. That's just tendency data, and uh, knowing that Bloom came from Tampa and Tampa's all about sealing arms and up the middle prep players, much like the Indians. So uh, Watson, I would not be shocked while I had him to the Indians if he is a top five pick. Uh, a new name to the Indians, someone who's not even in the last mock draft, will appear on the the pick this time. So make sure to turn into Friday show, learn a little bit uh, about draft prospects. College baseball is less than two weeks away, so I'm going to be watching games right out of the drop with that. Uh, again, I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And for the next year, at least, go Tribe.